0: a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marvelled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, she, uh, Anna, the daughter of Penel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years and after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple and worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she thanked God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with the wisdom, and the grace of God was on him.
1: Good morning, everyone. Enjoying the sun? I like it. You're not sure. I like it. Um, let's see. Yeah, so what are you waiting for? That's the question uh, I got you to think about. I know not everyone had a chance to, but I wonder if a few people did. Uh, and really, the question really is, is, what is it if you had... Something you wish for in life, and if you had it, you think, yeah, life would be good. I'd be happy. I'd be content. Someone share with me some of what you discussed, and you can totally dob the person in who, you you know, well, this is what this person said. Um, Help me out here. What what, what do some people say over this side? Money, yeah, okay. Money for the extension, make the house how you want it to be. Yeah, very good. Dream job? Dream job, yeah dream job, you'd just be happy then, wouldn't you? Life would be so perfect. The whole world to know Jesus. Sorry? The whole world to know Jesus. The whole, wow, yeah, absolutely. The whole world to know Jesus. That's a great answer, Altamain. That's a Okay. Yeah, Louise? Peace everywhere. Peace everywhere. Well, you guys, you have small, you know, I, I was thinking a nicer house and a nicer car, but... Um, <laughs> go for it. You know? I, 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 I'm with you there. That, that's it. And there's different things. And, and probably we can think of some less serious things and some more serious things. For, for, for many of us personally, it is. It might be a certain relationship. It might be a marriage. It might be kids. It might be a different marriage, different kids. It might be a career. It might be money. It might be a house. It could be all of these different things. And, and we think that once I get that thing or that happens, then I'll be happy. And life will, 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 I'll be able to relax and life will be good for me. Or maybe for some of us, actually, when we think about that, what we really want is we want to be able to wind the clock back and for certain things not to have happened in our lives. Things that, that dictate and, and color all of our experience of life, don't we? And we think, well, if I could do that, well, then I'd be happy and content because I'd have be taken something out of life that is deeply sad and deeply difficult. These things, whatever they are, we can spend our life waiting for them, and sometimes it might feel like life is on pause until this thing or or that thing happens, uh, and we get it, but then maybe we get those things that we've so longed for. We get the dream job, or we get the house extension, or uh, maybe we get world peace, but but probably less likely, but we get that thing, uh, and we think that that'll just make us feel real peaceful in our heart and soul, and you know what? It doesn't, does it? It doesn't, and so then we, we wait for, and we long for the next thing, and then maybe we get that or maybe we don't, but, but it, it doesn't deliver. You see, it's not necessarily wrong to want or desire many of these things. They, indeed, there are many very often good things, but we can put these high expectations, can't we, on what things can give to us, what they, can, what they can do for our soul and do in our hearts and in our lives, and they're ne- never to be disappointed. Uh, I guess here's the question I want us to think about is how does Jesus fit into that? Does Jesus fit into that at all? What does he have to do and say with what you are waiting for and what you are hoping for and longing for in life? And, and maybe you're here today and you have no idea what Jesus has to do with that or, or, or to save that. You think, Jesus got nothing to do with that kind of stuff. Well, I'd like to persuade you today that Jesus has answers to give to your life. I suspect probably more of us in this room today, we know in our head that Jesus is the resolution and the answer to these things and, and these longings and this waiting, but we can't quite seem to lodge it into our heart in the same way. And so we're in this daily battle, aren't we, for faith and belief that Jesus is better, that, that, that he has more for me than I can grasp myself, and in him I can have contentment and life and peace and if that's you, like it is me, I want to encourage you back into and towards that life-giving reality. Now, you, you may be wondering, what's all of this got to do with Simeon and Anna and this Bible reading we just had? Um, well, let me tell you, it's got everything uh, to do with it. And, and do keep it open. It's page um, 1028 on in these Red Bibles. I'd love you to just keep that open because I want to direct you back to things that, that are written in God's Word there. Simeon and Anna, these two people here, two pretty random people, um, I don't think they're anywhere else in scripture or even in history. So this, this is all we've got on them. Um, they're not really a, a big deal. Actually, we were discussing it as, as a team this week as we looked at this together. They wouldn't want us to see them as a big deal or make a big deal of them because for them, what they discovered and what they lived out is that it's all about Jesus for them. Uh, and Jesus is, is, is the one who they live for and, and the one uh, they, they, they're waiting for. And both of them, in their own ways and in their own life stories, are waiting and hoping for what God will do for them and give to them in Jesus. So, so what happens here is that Jesus is what makes them mad happy and, and, and causes them to break out into song. And, and when they get hold of Jesus, there's this sense that life is okay now. Life is good. Because their lives have been pointing to, and so their lives are filled up with and in Jesus and not other stuff. So... As, as we kind of come along with, with Simeon and Anna and we just get into their story, what they're going to do is they're going to they're help us, as we, as we look at their experience, they're going to help us clarify our own priorities, our own hopes, our own longings, what we're waiting for. And if we let them, they'll lead us to Christ as the resolution and as the fullness of these things. So, so the first thing, um, there's really two questions that's going to shape what, what we're looking at, and this is the first one. What was Simeon and Anna waiting for? And then we'll think, think a bit more personally for us afterwards. So as we, we pick up the story in chapter 2, verse 22, uh, Luke cuts from where we were last week, the, the manger, the fields outside Bethlehem and, and the shepherds and all of that, and he cuts to the capital and the heart of the capital city of Jerusalem, to this majestic temple at the heart of the city. It's a bit like cutting from one scene from like the the, the hills outside Shropshire, straight to Westminster and Parliament in the the heart of the city of London, from nowhere particularly significant to somewhere deeply significant and important. And we go there with Mary and Joseph, and they take their six-week-old baby Jesus to the temple. Now, this is the first time that Jesus has gone to the temple in Jerusalem. He's going to return there many more times in his life, in his ministry. It's going to be a key setting for, for many key moments in his life. And this, uh, this visit, this first visit, is significant because out of obedience to the Jewish law and customs, Mary and Joseph are, are taking Jesus out of obedience to the law of the Lord um, to, uh, to have Mary purified and to have Jesus consecrated. Now, the Jewish people, the people of God have done this for thousands of years by this point. It's kind of a ritual they followed since the exodus from slavery in Egypt. And this is what they do with their firstborn sons. So in verse 23, Jesus is consecrated as the firstborn son. And that means to be set aside to God, given over to God for his purposes in his life. This son is yours, God. You can do with him and his life as you please. You know, we often wonder, don't we, when we have a little baby and you hold a little baby in your hands, what, what, what might this child grow up to be? What might they do? What, what might their life be about? Well, this, this child, this firstborn Jesus, was set aside by Father God for his plans and purposes to be the saviour of the world. That's what his life was about. That's what he was going to do. He was going to be the one who would show God to people and the one through whom people would come to know God. And so right from the start of his life, Six weeks in, Jesus is devoted and set aside to that uh, purpose. And now as, as they're doing that, you've got to imagine the scene. Mary's there cradling a little six-week-old precious newborn, a first, firstborn. You know, there's a way that a, a, a mother holds a firstborn in, in a particular way. And uh, as they visit the temple, and you can imagine they're full of nervous energy and excitement. There's this great, great surroundings, this great occasion that they're there for. And as Mary holds Jesus, this random old dude just kind of sweep, swoops in and grabs Jesus uh, from her. Uh, and holds up uh, this little baby kind of Lion King style and erupts into song you know like the opening scene the circle of life and uh, Mary and Joseph don't know Simeon from Adam so you can imagine Joseph's just about ready to kind of roundhouse kick him and you know save his his son and bring him back don't kidnap my boy but but Thankfully, that doesn't happen. That would be, that'd be an interesting term, wouldn't it? But no, Simeon is no threat. You see, as, as we see what Simeon's doing, he's full of praise and he's, joy, he's full of joy. He's a righteous and he's a devout man. And, and we read that the Holy Spirit is on him and he's acting on the Spirit's leading. Three times in, th- in verses 25 to 27, we read of the work of the Spirit in his life. Now, here's the thing about Simeon. He's, verse 25, he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. For him, there's one thing on his bucket list. There's, there's one thing that if he had, he would be happy, he'd be content, he'd be ready to die at peace. There's one thing he is hoping and longing for. And in fact, there's one thing that he has promised, uh, had promised to him by revelation of the Holy Spirit, verse 26. This is the promise that Simeon would not see death until he had seen the Christ. He would not see death before he had seen the one who, the one who would bring this consolation that he had so hoped for and longed for and needed. You see, consolation is, we console someone when they're, when they're down, don't we? It's comfort for those who have, uh, for someone after they've experienced loss or disappointment. And this isn't just a, a personal thing for Simeon, but he's tuned in to the loss and the disappointment of, of God's people more broadly. He knows that God's people need a comforter to come to them. The people who carried the promises and the hope of God in their hearts and in their lives. The people who had so much to live up to and yet collectively delivered so little. Who had time and again failed their God. Who had suffered the consequences of their rebellion and their unfaithfulness and their sin. You can relate to that, I'm sure. And so Simeon is waiting and he's hoping and he's longing for God to come and God to console. God to to comfort. God to restore his people. He's waiting for the Lord's Messiah. To once and for all deliver on the promises and the purposes of God. And so this this hope and this expectation is rising in in his heart. And and Simeon is led by the Spirit of God into the temple uh, courts. And he's moved by the Spirit. And he realizes this is the moment. Uh, And that's why in verse 29 he breaks out into song. He, He sings this. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon says, Lord, I'm happy to die now. What I've lived for, what I've hoped for, what I've longed for has now happened. You can dismiss your servant in peace. I'm a happy man. Now, it's, it's remarkable when you think about it, isn't it? There's this, this old guy standing there holding this little eight-pound baby in a nappy and, and kind of ooing uh, and ahhing and kind of kicking and crying probably in his arms and his overwhelmed parents looking on. And, and, and Simeon says, my eyes have seen your salvation, God. My, my, my hands are, are holding this thing that you've prepared for all nations. I, I'm holding your, your promised king here, God." This is something Simeon says, that that God has prepared in the sight of all nations through all history, and yet with his own eyes, he now sees, and with his own hands, he now holds on to, and by his own faith, he receives this salvation of God. It's amazing when you think about it, isn't it, how Jesus somehow is the most famous person in all of history. It's surprising. His parents, relatively unknown, unimportant, poor couple. Raised in a not very significant part of the colony of the Roman Empire in the first century. Not much to his name, really. And yet, from next to nothing would arise the saviour of the world. The one on whom the hopes and fears of all people in all history will rise and form, will come to rest. The one who the great majority of the world's population, through history, knows that he has claimed to be God. And knows that he claims to be the way to God. The vast majority of people have heard of him and heard of what he offers. He's the most famous person in history. I guess that's why Simeon says in his little song that he is a light for the revelation to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are all nations, all peoples on the earth. And and, and he said Jesus is a light that reveals God to people people all the way through history. Jesus shows us who the God who made us is uh, and the God who loves us and shows us what he's like. He's like a light on God. But more than just shining a light on God, Jesus is the light of God, as Calum has already reminded us and we've sung this morning. He's the very source of that light. He's like the sun, which sure, you can look at the sun and you can see it, but the main thing about the sun is that it helps you to see everything else, doesn't it? Without the sun, you wouldn't see anything else. So too, Jesus is the light by which we see everything in life. He's the light that reveals the ultimate reality to all people of, of life and what we're here uh, for and what life is about and And this light, Simeon says, is shining and has shone. And here I am holding this great source of light in my hand, the glory of Israel. I'm holding and I'm looking at him in this little baby boy. See, Simeon owns it. He takes he makes personal this thing that God has done for all nations. He takes hold, my eyes have seen, and my hands have held. Now, it is true that none of us have seen Jesus in the same way, have we? We weren't there in the temple that morning with Simeon, so we couldn't go and hold the baby Jesus, and we couldn't see with our physical eyes the salvation of God prepared in the sight of and for all nations. So you might say, well, why doesn't God just make himself clearer to us? It's all right for Simeon, isn't it? He had it there. If God gave me that, then surely I would then believe, and it's not unreasonable to expect that. Well, if you think about that, that's a pretty self-centered way to, to think about it, to presume that God must reveal himself to you uh, through physically, uh, 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 physically and, and kind of personally revealing himself in that way before you believe. So, so if God's going to come as a human, the only legit way he can do it is to come to Lee Bank in Birmingham in 2022 uh, and show himself to me. Don't worry about everyone else and the rest of history across the world. As long as, as long as I've had the chance, then, then we're all good. When you think about it like that, that's kind of an outrageous thing to expect, isn't it? God has come. God's light has shone. He has revealed himself in Jesus. And he now reveals himself to us through his words. And this is for all people through history. And like Simeon, we can only see. And like Simeon, your friends and your family can only see and believe this if we're led by the Spirit of God to see and believe it. Maybe the problem is less with God showing himself and making himself clear and more with our refusal to look and see. Our refusal to believe and to tune in to what God is saying to us. See, one of Jesus' best mates called John, who when Jesus grew up, he hung out with some guys and and, and probably the closest one was John. He hung out with Jesus. He traveled with him. He ate with him. He spent lots of time with him. Just did stuff together. He watched him die on the cross. He met him after he had rose from the dead. And, and this is what John went on to, to write about Jesus in, in, in a letter he wrote. Listen to this. It's on the screen. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. Now, John's talking here about his experience in his life. You might think that has nothing relevant to me. It's all this stuff that John's done. Yeah, okay, he got to see, touch, whatever. That's great, but nothing to do with me. Listen to how he goes on. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. He's proclaiming something to us. He wants us to listen. He's got something to tell us about the word of life, the one who shows us God. The life appeared, he writes. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. John with Simeon are testifying to us. They're bearing witness. They're saying, we've seen it and we've experienced it. And this is true. You can believe in this, even if you didn't see and you didn't experience it. And you say, but why? Well, listen to this. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make your joy to make our joy or your joy complete. They saw, they heard, they touched, they smelled the Son of God, the eternal life. And they've shared this good news message with us. They've shared it. It comes to you this morning. It's here being offered to you so that your joy may be complete, so that you may have eternal life in him. Jesus is the saviour of the world. He is the salvation of God. God himself as one of us, the light in our darkness. He is eternal life. Will you see? Will you believe? And will you, like the prophet Anna, who follows Simeon, look forward to him as your greatest hope? So... Anna's there as a prophet, hanging out around the temple, not wanting to be outdone by Simeon. She had been also for a long time waiting and hoping for the same thing. In verse 38, it's kind of described slightly differently, but essentially the same thing. She's waiting and looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. That's, that's the city of God. It's the place where God's people live. And, and to, to, to be redeemed is to be brought back to, to safety and, and the care of God. You see, Anna had a tough life herself. She had the great joy of marrying, but then the great pain of her husband dying just seven years later. And the rest of her days, through to a ripe old age of 84, she lives as a widow. Now, I guess if that would be you or me, it would be so easy, wouldn't it, to become bitter, to become twisted, to be jealous of her friends who had happy and lifelong Marriages, lots of children, companionship into their old age. It would be so easy for her soul to shrivel up and just for her to become a shadow of a woman, wouldn't it? So many reasons for that. But no, Anna is devoted to God. She's a devoted worshipper. She never leaves the temple, we read, night and day. She's worshipping, she's fasting, she's praying. She's pressing into God in her pain. And you see, all that she had and all that she'd lost was never the place of her ultimate hope. That really helped her. All that she had and all that she lost was never the place of her ultimate hope. It was never really what she was waiting for. She was looking forward to something bigger and better. The hope of her heart deep in her soul was for God to redeem his people, for God to do an act of salvation and a work of rescuing of his people and bring them back to uh, himself. And so there Anna is, ready and waiting, expectant, ever hopeful. Her heart just full as, she, as Simeon holds up this baby and, and declares God's salvation and his, and his greatness. And Anna comes alongside with Simeon and Mary and, and Joseph there. And she too raises her voice and she gives thanks to God and she speaks. And she prophesies to all looking on, this child is the redeemer sent to rescue God's people. You see, when your ultimate satisfaction, when your hope and your joy in life is placed in Jesus, nothing can steal that, nothing can spoil that, however terrible it is. That's a very liberating way to live life. And So with these words ringing in their ears and, I guess, kind of echoing in their hearts and, and, and even seared into their hearts, Mary and Joseph make their way back in verse 39 to the hometown of Nazareth with Jesus given all of like it's been pretty pretty big this first six weeks of life hasn't it you know all of these angels and prophecies and all of this stuff going on and you kind of everything's just about to get very normal as they settle down in Nazareth as they get into their family rhythms as Joseph picks up his carpentry business again and Mary gets to grip grips of being a first time mum and and verse 40 as little boys tend to do this little boy grows and becomes strong But as most little boys don't tend to be, he was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was on him. Jesus was just like us in every way it's possible to be. But he was also radically and amazingly different, even from the very earliest stage. He was set apart for God, and so he was perfect at every point and every turn, every step of the way. Next week, we're going to get his kind of awkward teenage moment. If only my life was that simple, it had a lot more awkward moments than that. Here's the second question. This is where it gets a bit more personal. Are you waiting for Jesus? We start by thinking, what are you waiting for? Is it Jesus? And what I mean by this is, is Jesus the center and the fullness of what you realize will bring you ultimate and lasting joy and freedom in your life, or are you looking for that kind of deep level of satisfaction and, and kind of heart level joy elsewhere? What and who are you living for? Here's the important thing for us to hear today Jesus is the resolution and the answer to the longings and the desires of your heart. He is the answer to the res- uh, and the resolution to the, the longings and desires of your life. Everything else and anything else where you look for that kind of stuff, it will disappoint you in the end. Even if it's stuff that's good in itself and it's not wrong to want or to have, it can't bear up under that kind of weight that we put on it. That kind of hope and that kind of expectation. And, and Simeon and Anna together, they show us how Jesus both consoles us in, in our worst sufferings, but is also the fullness of joy in our greatest victories. He's better than anything that we could either lose or suffer And he's also better than anything we could attain or we could enjoy in life. And this is the spirit-led and the spirit-inspired way of seeing and living shown to us by these mature older saints. You see, but not everyone is sure or convinced of that, are they? And maybe you're not. And Simeon knows this. And so he knows that, that this baby boy, this Jesus, is going to split opinion. And so in these little verses that I passed over in the middle, verses 33 to 35, he warns Mary He basically says to Mary, your boy's going to be like Marmite. Many are going to love him and many are going to hate him. This is what he's going to be like. Some are going to rise up because of him. Some are going to love him and be drawn to him. And and they're going to receive their consolation and their hope and their life by putting their faith in him. But some are going to fall over him and trip up and stumble. Those who don't get him. Those who don't see the need of him or the relevance of him to their life, those who hold him off and don't listen to what he says and don't look to him to save them, will in the end fall down. You see, it's not only Jesus that is revealed to us this morning, but we too are revealed as we sit in this room. He reveals the thoughts of our hearts. He shows us up for who we are and what we're like by our response to him. Simeon saw that Jesus is God's plan for us of new life and hope for the whole world. And he said, yeah, I'm going to take that for me personally. And he made it personal. My eyes have seen. My eyes. John says, our hands have, my eyes have touched. The question is, have you made it personal between you and Jesus yet? Have you come to call him your Lord and your God? Have you come to hold on to him by faith? Have your eyes seen? Is your mouth declaring? If not, today is a good day to do that. Today is a good day to do that. And if you have, are you turning your eyes upon him again this morning? As we sung, will you you let your gaze rest on him in this moment? Are you looking in his face? Are you seeing how great and how amazing and how good he is? Are you seeing how he is your soul's true desire? How the things of earth, however good they may be. The things we spend so much of life wanting and waiting for and longing for. How when you see Jesus, they kind of just fall away. We sang, they grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. As, as Simeon blesses Mary, he warns her in verse 35 that he says, Mary, a sword will pierce your own heart too. So we need to be clear of one another. As, tr- as great and as true as it is to know and follow Jesus and to live for him, as much as that brings deep satisfaction and contentment to life, it ain't easy. You've got to hear that. Mary's own journey will be one of pain and sorrow, and one day she will stand at the foot of a Roman cross as her firstborn son is savagely crucified, and her soul will be pierced with grief as she looks on and sees not only her son dying, but her savior dying to deliver on being the savior of the world. Yes, Jesus brings deep contentment and joy to our lives. Yes, Jesus centers us. And we see in Simeon and Anna um, just, just what it does to a person when, when, when he's the center of our lives. But listen, life with him is no walk in the park. And we have to learn to wait and hope and long for his final and complete salvation. We have to, to learn to look to him, look forward to him while we live in this world. And we too must be filled with wisdom. And we too need the grace of God upon us to help us along the way. Listen, you can look elsewhere for life to the full. You can go any one of a number of places away from Jesus, but you won't find it. Not in a lasting sense. And that's because Jesus is God's Savior, He is God's salvation. He's the light of the world. He's the one who has given for you. He's the only rescuer who has come down from heaven to rescue us and take us back to be with God. He's the only one in whom our hearts and our hopes are to be set. He alone can bear the weight of that and can deliver on it. So put your hope, put your trust, long for, look to, wait for, expectantly Jesus. And do that whatever it looks like in your life, in the good times and in the bad times. He's more than enough. Let me pray and then we'll we'll sing as we reflect on that together. Jesus, we we praise you and thank you that you have come down from God, from heaven, from the glories and the riches of heaven. You came down into poverty and the shame and the scandal and the disrespect and, and all that you've faced in your life on earth. And you did it as and to be and to deliver on saving the world. Saving me. I'll be so lost without you. Thank you that you came. Thank you that you did that. And Lord I do pray for each of us we would make that personal this morning in our hearts and in our lives and we'd know the situations within which by faith we need to make that personal and we need to look to you and see you and be, have our hard hearts melted by you again. And get that, that, that compass of our heart kind of back on the true north of you and and away from other things. Lord, would your, your grace be upon us now, would you even, as we respond, as we think, as we reflect, would your spirit even be at work in us and amongst us, that you may be glorified and we may be filled with joy and life. We pray this forevermore. Amen.